You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. It's an honor for me to introduce Rod to you. I've known Rod for 15 years. He's been a close friend of mine, um, led me in many ways, mentored me as well. He uh, helped found Circle of Hope in the mid-90s as well. He serves right now as a psychotherapist for Circle Counseling, has a PhD in Family and Marriage Counseling, and also serves as our development pastor in Circle of Hope. So come on up, Rod. Well, you should save your applause until I'm done. You don't know what's really going to happen here. Anything could happen. I Take a look at that again. Is Sarah here? I don't see her. I'm amazed that somebody did that for us. What a, what a blessing. It's really beautiful. I, I think there's more talent in this congregation, probably in your little finger, than most places have in their whole hand or something like that. But congratulations. Makes my uh, spirits raise a little bit, and that's good because... Um, Advent seems to be making me mad this year, to be honest. I mean, I don't know why for sure. I don't really think I'm alone. But uh, last Sunday, this was my psalm. I made pictures for you. I didn't make pictures when I, really, when I wrote this originally. I put on pictures for you. That's how it goes. Moscow Mitch engineers Trump's trial with him. Naval cadets flash white supremacy signs on TV. The English undo Europe's post-war achievements. Modi makes it legal to ethnically cleanse India. Kushner makes a rule to punish protesting Israel's sins. We worry we are too old. I worry I'm too young. We will live to see fearful troubles 2020 might be just the beginning. How long, O Lord, I didn't even finish the list. How long must we endure redundant wickedness? In my worry and fear, I bolt myself to my prayer chair until you set me loose. Each word seeks your presence, each pen stroke a cry for confidence. How long, O Lord? Will my hope return by the end of my psalm before I ruin this day? You are my hope. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I got better. I felt better after that. But I seem so easily irritated. My, my Advent season is being invaded by nonsense. Anger seems to be everywhere these days. Am I the only one that feels like that? It seems like anger is like this cloud, like that cloud of germs I wandered into in October, and I had a two-month cough. Anger, we're wandering into that cloud, and we have a permanent disease. Irritation is like the national disease right now. I mean, aren't I a bit too irritated by people who uh, spoil my advent? In the, in the little ways they do. I, I seem to be uh, infected with the national problem. I mean, I'm irritated because godless people are invading my advent with nonsense, all right? But I think the other side is also happening, too, where people are pretty irritated because 
Advent is invading their Christmas season. Uh, they, uh, maybe you'll see what I mean in a minute. I mean, at least be that seems to be happening in the cells I'm in and in the Sunday meetings I attend. Um, I discover many people who are um, kind of like skipping the whole season because they're just irritated by it. That redundant story that just seems to I get told, it takes four weeks to tell it for one thing. And um, this is kind of like the same old thing. And it's still irritating. And it, and it has angels. And that in itself is, is like a problem. Those angels that can't be ignored. And they just, they just can't handle it. And I think I, think I kind of get that. Because many people, just in general, have a limited uh, capacity for the numinous. You've heard your brainy pastor say that word, right? Numinous. It sounds like what it is. It's the capacity for being spiritual. Numinous is the hint of divinity you feel in certain circumstances. And many people have not developed a big space in themselves for the numinous, for um, a spiritual experience. You know, like if God is an ocean, they're like water skiing on the top. So, um, so things feel deep to them when they have like a yoga level experience of spirituality. You know, like you finally spent about um, 10 minutes taking a deep breath for once. You're not running around anymore. And you can sink into your own space. And, if they, and they feel good. They feel this sense of well-being come up for a minute. And that's about all they want to handle. That's about it. That's the, that's the spiritual moment for them. Other people go to a movie or something, and they see some great love story, or they have some um, amazing experience with the art. They see a leap of imagination, and it makes them feel moved. They're moved. They have this catharsis, reminds them they have a heart, and that's good enough. That's, that's the spiritual level they're on. If that's the, um, oh, yeah, and, and what about Star Wars? You know, it's coming, it was coming out and people planned for it. In advance, they were having their moment, right? I mean, some people bought tickets in advance and they didn't want to miss opening day. And when you, they brought up the trailer, did you watch the trailer? And the, and the deep, dark music from the dark side came up and I got a little shiver, you know, and I felt it. And then they had that, all that heroic music from the 70s when I first heard it, and they still playing the same old thing. And I still had the same old chill, you know. It was numinous. Star Wars is numinous for a lot of people. And if that's the extent of one's capacity, then this whole Advent thing, I mean, it's like an overdose, really. It's like too much. I don't have enough nerve endings for it. I don't have the spiritual receptors for whatever people are talking about that I don't usually bother with, that I might entertain it at least. I mean, the season can feel like you're getting tickled too much. Or it might just kind of grate on you, like one of those old sitcom uh, theme songs that you don't ever want to hear again. They're omnipresent. You know, and then they bring out the angels, and that just seems like that's just a conundrum I don't need. Just trying to be sympathetic. Because honestly, I've, I've, felt, I've met some people who actually feel spiritually satisfied. I don't even mean this in a bad way, because I, I, I don't know where they're going yet. But they feel spiritually satisfied 
by things associated with their childhood religion or um, those mystical family customs. Do you have any of those? Like lighting your Christmas tree together or having some candlelight service or buying pajamas for your whole family that are the same kind, including the doll. And you have four children that you live in this fabulous house and you're like 34 years old. I mean, people are like that, you know? And that's, that's something, you know? The, the angel that's on their mantle is like a sweet little accoutrement to their family meal that they've been planning for a month for. I really have a bad feeling about these people. I'm sorry, I'm gonna stop talking about them. <laughs> Other people are really just are satisfied by their principles, uh, the principles of their you know religious group. They agree with what they should feel, even if they don't feel it. And they don't need this speech to tell them anything about Advent, like I'm going to get to in a minute. They don't need to be talking about angels for sure, unless it already is validated by what's happening in their echo chamber right now. They don't need angels to pop up and disrupt their certainty. So I, th I think I think Advent can make people kind of angry. Um, it tends to arouse something. I mean, even if you just hate the whole thing, because people never get beyond some small infantile adolescent experience, like I'm implying might be, or if you just hate it because it's just all too much, you know, religious or not. Or maybe you're just angry because the permafrost is melting. And uh, when they had the democratic debate, it just seemed tepid. Or when they had the impeachment ceremony, or whatever that was, um, uh, it revealed the government's kind of lack of a reality testing or something like that, or you're just worried about what the Cowboys are doing to the Eagles right now. <laughs> Don't tell me. Let's get through this. I mean, in the face of all that irritation, I'm just going to bravely and maybe foolishly just go ahead and talk about the story again. I'm going to emphasize angels. So get, get ready. I don't like to see the angels kind of shunted off into the side of the familiar story because the whole season... I think stops us and tries to get us to look up in the sky again. You don't have any sky here right now, but I hope you'll at least remember one, that you've actually seen it when you could see stars and such, and that you can be there. It calls us to feel something that's happening more than just a materialist reaction to materiality. It's trying to get us to go deeper under the surface so we're not just skiing on the top of things. And if that insistence makes you angry, I think that's kind of great. I think you should just follow that anger and see where it leads you. Because probably at the basis of that anger is where God will actually be incarnate. <coughs> and God will actually open up the sky and reveal something to you that uh, you're missing, perhaps, or that is yet to be revealed. So here I go. In my 20s, I stole Christmas from my mother. Um, I wanted to have a tree full of angels. And I'm still glad I did it, but I still feel a little guilty before the judgment seat of my mother's feelings about me doing that. Um, my mother loved the fun of Christmas. Here she is, if I've got the right slide up. 
in the old picture um, where she has a, a shawl that's the same as her friend Betty's shawl. That they, and they're, they're having a fun time with this. She's my second grade uh, teacher. And they're in my living room and having a good time. My father on the left there is being char <coughs> characteristically embarrassed by the whole thing, but he definitely loves mom. So they had a big party every year for all the relatives. My mom did Christmas and my aunt did Thanksgiving. And meanwhile, I was this semi-secret Christian who was sort of observing it all and really moved by Jesus. As a result of being that person, my mother's Christmas tree irritated me. I sound like I'm really easily irritated, don't I? But I guess that's kind of true. She had a tree full of Santas. All of them. Everything was Santa. And at the top of the tree was a Santa holding on for dear life. You can barely see him on the tree up there. As the resident manservant, I was the one that, that put Santa up there on his perch every year. I, I did this for mom. No star at the end, on the top of the tree to guide the wise men. No angels singing uh, Gloria in excelsis Dea. In terra pax, hominibus bonae voluntatis. Nothing like that. So when I had my own children, I notified mom that Christmas was a Christian holiday. <laughs> I, I, know, I let her understand this. And I needed to hold it in a Santa-free zone. Uh, she could have her zone, and Jesus was going to have mine. This did not go over that well. And she got irritated with Jesus, and she got irritated with me. And I was irritated with her for making me steal back from her the holiday that she stole from Jesus. So I was upset too. But the tree um, we put up this year still is a tree full of angels. Glenn and I have been collecting them from around the world for a long time. I put up a tree every year. I don't, whether you do or not, no, no shame. I put up a tree every year, every advent, and I keep it up through Christmas tide. Because uh, holiness comes wrapped in the ordinary. There are burning bushes all around you. Every tree is full of angels. Hidden beauty is waiting in every crumb. At least that's what Macrina Whitaker says in her book, that you see there a tree full of angels. So I took my little tree from Home Depot, little little tiny tree this year, and I decorated it. I added glory to it. I, I, I had this little, little pine in my little ordinary house filled with furniture waiting to go to the new place that I'll eventually move to if I ever sell the place that all the furniture is in. And uh, I, I made the ordinary glorious to remind me that around every corner there's a tree full of angels. Even when I walk into my living room and I go around that corner, there it is. And if I'm looking, if I bother with it, I'll actually see it. My tree full of angels sticks in my brain, helps me to, to look for the incarnation of God all over. For instance, I was walking back up from the very pleasant time I was having with the staff the other day at, at Stina, which, by the way, is number 22 of the 50 best restaurants in Philadelphia. Who knew? Our, our, one of your covenant members invented it. And, is, and eventually, hopefully, he'll make money on it. Um, but I was walking back from this event and um, I was getting irritated. It was so cold that day, 
and the wind was like blasting my face and I didn't wear the right clothes. And the wind, it was trash day, so the wind was swirling up bags and debris all around me. And it was, it was a glorious trash in some way, but um, I, was, I was not having I, I should say I was actually trudging back up Broad Street and I wasn't feeling it, so I was irritated. And suddenly, I heard one of those cacophonies of sparrows that we hear periodically, and I, I just stopped dead in my tracks. And I turned toward this hedge where they all were, and they were just singing Gloria at Excelsis Deo. It just hit me. And I just stood there for the longest time, and I didn't even care who said, what's that old man standing there on the, on the street for? He doesn't even look like he belongs here. What is going on? I would have, I would have told him if I was asked. You know, it's the glory of God. I'm not, I'm not missing it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. It, was if, it really was as if the heavens were opening up. So what do I do? What do I do with that? What do I do with my vision? If I'm the typical adult, I'm really kind of quiet about it because I'm guarding my reputation. I don't even know half you people. You know, not very well at least. You may think I'm an idiot for being a pastor my whole life and you're dreading the thought that you get dragged into something like that. I don't know how terrible it could be. I may already have a bad reputation because you just think I'm a jerk and I just made half of an hour of speech already, it seems like. And um, what are you when are you going to get to the point? Or something. I don't know what you're thinking. Or I, there might be some mannerism. I kind of tisk sometimes when I'm talking, when I'm thinking. I go, I've had people saying, we just stop doing that? That's so irritating. Well, I'm irritated with you for telling me it's irritating. You know, and then we go on. I don't know if that's going to happen. So if I have a vision of sparrows being angels, I might just say, well, I'm not going to tell you about it because that would be uh, dangerous. It might irritate you with my experiences. I might tell nobody. But if I'm a child, or if I have a child's heart, I really can't contain the vision. I'll be just like my grandson, Paul, who, who is in part of this congregation, when he dashes in from kindergarten and tells us everything what just happened. And he's full of news and can't resist saying it. Listen, everybody. I saw a hedge full of angels. Or if you're eight-year-old William Blake, you run home and tell your parents, I saw a tree full of angels shining like stars in the night. I have the impression that when William Blake was eight, that's how he said things. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a famous English poet painter from the early 1800s. And once he was rambling over the hills of Dulwich, south of London, he was a child and he, ha and he had this vision. Uh, some enterprising town booster in Dulwich uh, got this mural of his vision painted and then other artists came by later and improved it, they thought. <laughs> it's uh, recently been re rehabbed and they made a little park out in front of it so that they could lure people to Dulwich who loved William Blake, and they could sit on the park bench and eat a meat pie before they go back to London. Enterprising, so I think that's pretty cool. But Blake was rambling over the hills and he quite famously ran home to tell his parents these joyful tidings. I saw a tree full of angels. His father was instantly irritated with the tyke and wanted to punish him for lying. And his mother, who kind of had a sense of deeper things, protected him so um, he could have his vision. Macrino Whitaker says, well, can you believe any of that? Can you even work with that? 
Come on now, don't be a cynic, she says. Your heart was made for deep things. Your entire being was designed for visions. But if you cannot believe, you're not alone in your unbelief. It's so like adults not to be able to tell the difference between a vision and a mirage. Advent always brings up the question to adults and cynics, is this a vision? Do I, can I go with this? Or is this just kind of like a mirage I'm putting up with because I like the morality of Christian, but I don't, Christianity, but I don't really like the numinous nature of it. It's such an irritating question. You know, your father might punish you for it. My father was kind of like that. Your mother might need to save you, or vice versa. Nevertheless, someone has painted a tree full of angels on the calendar tonight. Last week, as Johnny was saying, or the weeks before, well, I guess it was just last week, Mary and Joseph were both touched by an angel, right? Did I get the right slide up? Now, as the story of the birth of Jesus continues, we have everybody, all sorts of regular people, are invited into the heavenly council. Notice the messenger angel here in this picture. I like this picture because it's one of the few times you see an angel without wings, which is much more accurate. You know, all these angels with wings, I don't know how that got going. A couple places in the Bible, angels with wings are noted because they're guarding a particular territory. They're kind of a rare being. But angels that um, are normally around in this big council that God's uh, pictured in, they don't, they don't um, just need wings. They're, they're immaterial beings. When they come into our context, they, bring, they give themselves a, a, a visage so that we can see them. So there's that messenger angel, with, angel without uh, wings telling the good news to the shepherds about the baby that's born in Bethlehem, who's Christ the Lord. And here's a picture, I think. Do I have it? Yeah, there's the heavenly hosts. You remember the story, right? The one angel tells him what's happening, and then the, then the sky opens up, and the heavenly host can be seen, and they're all singing. They, all can't, they can't resist, apparently. They're peeking over the edge of eternity into the present to see what is going on because they've been expecting the recreation ever since they were at the first one, and they're enjoying the whole process. We, so we don't talk about this scene enough, I think. I mean, angels are you always said, well, I don't want to talk about angels. That's kind of weird. I love the baby part, because I can get into being the baby. But when you, when you try to get me in to connect with the angels, well, that just seems kind of freaky. We usually think of angels as from It's a Wonderful Life, right? Because that's the one angel we know the best. And so he's on every year, so we can, we can watch that rerun again. And we understand you know, that that's a, you know, that guy's getting presented to help uh, Jimmy Stewart you know, get, it, get through his problem and find the money or whatever it is that's about. And that's a good thing. Doesn't he jump off? Look how he jumps off the bridge and Jimmy Stewart has to save him. That's a good angel thing to do. But I don't really think that when your tr a bell rings on your tree that an angel gets his wings. They don't really need wings. <laughs> so that, that's not the best thing. But it's not, that's not the worst thing either. In the, in the Bible, God is often pre presented as this uh, king on a throne 
in the middle of a council of angels who extend sometimes in concentric circles around the throne according to their assignment. And we've been talking about something like this all of Advent. When the prophet Isaiah had a vision in Isaiah 6, when you were talking about the prophets, maybe. Did you, talk, did you mention Isaiah? He had a vision of the throne room of God. And then you had the winged angels protecting his throne. That, so that's where one time you see that. And he was included in God's proceedings so he could report them. That's what a prophet does. In Jeremiah, he says, which He's talking about false prophets, and he says, which of them stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? And then John the Baptist saw the heavens open up, right? And the spirit came down on Jesus so he could recognize that he was the son of God. Mary and Joseph were given a message by an angel. And now the shepherds are given a message and have their own vision of a heavenly host who make themselves visible and start singing their song. It's probably the same song they sang at the first creation because they know that in this baby that Jesus is, Jesus is starting a brand new creation and God is redeeming this great work of creation that is, they, they've known about from the very beginning. Remember how in the Old Testament it says that the, the angels the, they were singing a, a creation song. Morning stars were singing the song. And there is a, there's a morning star in this picture too, right? Hovering over the place where Jesus is being born. Probably an angel, probably not some crazy, um, strange uh, imposition of a new angel in the, <laughs> in the actual cosmos. Probably the, the morning star age was there showing the people where um, it was all taking place. And you can see it happening over in the distance in this picture. How are you working with that? It's a story full of angels, isn't it? Macrina is asking you again, so what are you going to do with that? What do you do with that? The Advent season keeps reminding us that, in, that the extraordinary is happening in the ordinary. And the poorest, like the shepherds, are welcomed into the heavenly council to know God themselves. That spirit-to-spirit thing is going to happen, and everyone's invited into it. Heavens opened up and thin places are around every corner. Why wouldn't you know about them? They're in the hedges. They're in the sky. They're in the ocean. They're in your loved one's eyes. They're in your child's enthusiasm. They're in this moment of worship. Of course they say, well, come to Bethlehem and see it for yourself. Come to it. Show up for it. In our normal lives, Like all the examples we've had in this story the whole season, there is likely a tree full of angels to lead us out of our darkness and into the light, to lead me out of my irritation and into peace, to lead me to see beyond what's happening right now into what's going to happen forever. Our spirituality is so easily satisfied. You could sit through this night and miss the whole thing. Isn't that remarkable how we can do that? You drag yourself clear over here. <laughs> I know I could do it too. I could just turn it all off and just kind of endure it and go off and do whatever it is I do. So easily satisfied. Just the tip of the iceberg of spirituality. We might actually go with it. As a result of doing that, we are so often angry. And if you're angry all the time, 
if you're angry when you hear the news again tomorrow, you might want to just follow it and see, what am I missing here? How did I manage to focus on that and be that person instead of focus on what Jesus is doing in this dear child? My life might just be bereft of God. That might be my problem. When the child, some child, or when that child, Christ child in you or around you runs in to tell you their vision, just don't get angry with them. Don't, don't punish them. There could be angels anywhere. And God might be around any corner to help you be born again. Let's pray about that. Just to enjoy it, God. What a great blessing. What great grace the angels announced to us and continue to announce, and you announce spirit to spirit. Help us to hear, to respond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.